Stacy Gordon, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Stace. How you doing? Thank you, thank you. I am doing well. I love that intro. Oh my, do I get added to that intro? Then you will intro. actually. Yes, short <laughs> uh, short answer. Yes. Um, by the time season, what season am I on? Goodness gracious, uh, it's a good problem to have. I think um, success of the show, but season six coming up soon. But you'll definitely have to be, you know, of course, be a different type of layout. But I'll, I will be honored to put your face on one of those. <laughs> I'd be honored. It'd be great. But I've been looking forward to this, Stacy. I've been really looking forward to this. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I love. I, I don't know what it is. I, I, well, I know what it is. But I was gonna say I don't know what it is. But I have this fascination with with, with London, and I love that you're in London. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you have this factuation. Sometimes I get into the London blues. Hmm. Because it isn't like it. I don't like London or like England. I, I love it. I, I think it's a great country. It's a beautiful. Love the architecture. It's, it's gorgeous. A lot of history here. However, they don't watch the same type of sports that I watch. You know what I mean? So I got to stay up really late <laughs> to watch the things that I... But then 2020 kind of happened and it kind of gave me, a, I guess, a way of understanding that I could live without sports. It's all good. It's not like I'm that busy. Any, well, I'm... I wouldn't say that busy that I don't watch sports, but I do always have a laptop in my lap when I'm watching something like that. But I don't know. It is what it is. But what do you like about London as much as you do? Uh, well, I just, I love, you know, I have family there. And so I just, mm -hmm. um, I, I think it was really cool to be able to come back right before the pandemic and yeah. take my kids and have them like meet family they hadn't met. And so I just have a, a affinity for all the family that's over there. <laughs> <laughs> so the last time you were here was right before COVID hit. I think we talked about yeah. the last time. Yeah. Yeah. We were there uh, December into January. Yeah. That was right when my daughter was born. She was born January 8th and my parents flew out. I think it was January 22nd in the morning and I went to the airport and they left like right, right before I think it was already happening, but they left before everything started going like left field. Right. <laughs> But anyways, but I can just see this is going to prove the point. We could talk for hours, right? Like, oh, yeah, we're on a show. We got to talk about what we got to talk about. So right. a lot of great reasons why I would love to have you on to the show and then a lot of great synergy. And also with the messaging of like me being a corporate American, especially what you do with your book and all the great things you have. But for the most part, the only question I typically ask guests when they come on just for the listeners, because it's not about what we're talking about. It's what they hear. So can you give them a little bit, like I said, in a nutshell, and we'll go a little bit more in detail as we go through the show, like who you are, what you're about, and, and some of the things that you're obviously doing now today. Yeah, I am a, uh, you know, it's even funny. I start to say, like, Ugh. I'm an executive advisor, uh, but <laughs> right. I really am. Um, it, it's crazy that I get to sit down with CEOs and their executive teams mm -hmm. and help them work through diversity, equity, and inclusion strategies. And um, I, it's why I wrote the book, uh, Unbiased, Addressing mm -hmm. Unconscious Bias at Work. It's why I have um, courses online on the topic. I talk about unconscious bias. I talk about diversity and recruiting. Uh, I talk about you know, uncomfortable conversations and microaggressions mm. and allyship and anti-racism, right? And all the things that people don't really want to talk about, but that we have to talk about in order for yeah. us to create inclusive workplaces. So that's what I spend my time doing is making work a place that uh, we all want to go to and not yes. just uh, the majority demographic. Mm -hmm. I love that because it's all about awareness making people aware sometimes depending on where they come from in the world they don't realize 
the stuff that was projected onto them into making it okay. And I think that the world kind of learned a hard lesson last year when it was like brought to our doorstep pretty much. Well, not really here, obviously, but they had a lot of riots, a lot of things going on. And it really comes to creating an environment for everyone to have equal opportunity. And then also for them to have a certain experience while they're in a workplace. And it's really right. difficult because the, even the higher you up, I mean, I know that we we spoke about this before, like the CEOs and executive staff, board of directors, some of them, some of them are might be a little bit older in generation. So, but they might have people leading a company that are younger, obviously. And that message isn't all the way clear all the way through the board, right? So right. Um, is that some of the things that you obviously talk about with the CEOs? They're like, listen, we need to kind of address this right at the head and then go down? Or how do you typically go about doing that? You know, the 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 person that I usually spend the most time with is sort of the, the person that's stuck in the middle, right? They're okay, the, got it. The director, the, the chief people officer, um, the person that brings me in and says, we recognize our company needs work. Uh, we need to work on this project, this this process, this project, this initiative is usually the way it's framed. Um, and we do have some buy-in from our executive team, um, but we need to figure out how to start. And so we end up operating in a couple of, of, of ways. We work with, as I said, the, the consulting and the um, coaching of the executive teams, but then there's the people managers, right? The ones who are really touching people every day, the hiring managers um, and the talent acquisition teams, the recruiters, right? Who are going out and sourcing and bringing people into the workplace. So we do a lot of education for those teams. Okay. Um, and we find that if we can start there while also working with the executive teams to get them to understand that you know what, you are the host of this party, okay? Mm -hmm. You don't get to just toss some money at your 16 year old and say, hey, go plan a party, right? Like that's not how it works. That's like, not, yeah, no. <laughs> that'd be a, that'd be a like, crazy party, by the way. <laughs> right. It's like, you were the host of the party, right? You are responsible for everything that goes on. Mm -hmm. So no, you don't have to be the person that is outside uh, parking cars at the ballet, right? And you don't have to be the person in the kitchen making the food and serving people at the party, but you have to know what's being served, right? You got to create yeah. the menu. <laughs> yeah, and, and how it goes about being served, the way it goes about, what's the demeanor and all the things that that's actually really hard for a newer CEO of understanding that you are in charge of everything. You you're next on a line. It's you, that's a reflection of you. So if you have someone within your organization that speaks, I guess, unkindly to an individual, that's a reflection of a CEO. Like yeah. our job is to put people in a position to win and me putting you in a position to win. That requires a lot of touch points that you don't see. <laughs> you don't. So you have to really take that on board. And the ones that actually do, and they can wrap their mind around that concept. Those are the ones that you do see having success. But the right. ones that are overlooking that and how important it is, it starts with very small and it turns into a big problem. Right. I right. love how you mentioned that you start in the middle. I like that a lot. 
Yeah, we, we start there because, you know, you, you're going to have more access, right? Like, yes. as much as I might talk to the CEO, I might talk to them two or three times. I'm not going to, but the person who brought me in, I'm talking to them weekly, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. daily when we're in the middle of a project. So um, the, having that, that access uh, is important and being able to work with someone who can navigate the, the different uh, okay. parts to the, to the organization. Um, and, and going back to what you said about the CEO being responsible for everything, you know, I remember seeing it was a whole thread, I think, on LinkedIn where somebody was asking, because I'm sure some CEO put their foot in their mouth again, right? Said something. <laughs> yeah, <that> always. Was, <laughs> right. Idiot. <And> said, <laughs> <laughs> Do never right, send they, an email or send a message upset about anything. Like, rule number well, one. about being upset, right? Yeah, like, you can right. be upset about stuff. But it, mm -hmm. the, what happened was the conversation that came out of it was, can you have a CEO that has a different um, stance, right, than the company? Because if the company stands for one thing, can the CEO stand for something else? And I'm like, hell no, you're the CEO of the company. Exactly. You can't have different viewpoints, right, personally even, than the company, because it's your job to live it, to breathe it, to walk it, to teach it, to role model it. Yeah, and so 100%. if you you're gonna live don't it. believe that, how can you be the C if you have different values than the company that you work for, you need to go work someplace else. Yes. Like for me, I couldn't be the CEO of Philip Morris co company, right? Like mm -hmm. I couldn't do that because I, I don't believe in what they, what they produce. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I can't be the CEO of that company. Mm -hmm. And I think too often people jump into roles because they just, they see the money and the power and they're yeah. like, Oh, I want that. Yeah. But it's like, there's also other parts that come into the, into play and it's no longer okay to just, you know, have the skill set the, to, to run or the, the financial acumen, right? You also have to have the emotional intelligence mm -hmm. and we really have to be paying attention to values. And, um, you know, if, as a CEO, like if you're listening and don't know what, the, what your company values are, you need to have <laughs> an emergency meeting. <laughs> yeah. right? I'll do it for free. Um, it's serious. And to be honest with you, anybody that, anybody that works with me, I don't ever work, work for me. They work with me and they, they know that, but you, if you do work for me and you feel that you made that choice. So, but every single one of them has a core value right next to that, right on every, every email that we onboard someone, they can, I can change it. I don't know. But every time we onboard someone on the back end of it, of that email, it has the core values there. This is what we are and this is what we're about. And basically it's blatantly right in front of your face. Here's what we're not pretty much. We do not right. tolerate this. We don't tolerate any type of bullying, harassment in any type of way whatsoever. Um, right. I've seen something, you've seen it with the Chick-fil-A thing. And the reason why I bring it up is you mentioned London and you mentioned England. Uh, they were trying to bring Chick-fil-A here mm. to England, but obviously the CEO made some comments about uh, gay marriages and whatnot. So you have all the vowels and no, and I'm not trying to be funny, but you know what I mean? They had huge, like the, the chicken was phenomenal. Okay. Let's be real. <laughs> the chicken's phenomenal, but, uh, you know, and they couldn't understand why it didn't stick. Right. Like, well, there's right. the comments that they made that it doesn't make it okay today. And if you make right. it okay, just because a chicken's great or in, in the CEO role or a role or shining a, a position where people normally wouldn't have access to and giving them a bunch of money. Well, you can't, it's like putting lipstick on a pig. Right. Not going to work. 
not going to work. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is important to um, to see that. And I think that that's what makes that's what makes the role hard. Right. But like, that's why you make the big bucks. Yes. <laughs> like, that's why you get paid the extra money um, is because you have to do these things. And I do think there has been um, this like status quo that there's this place where it's just people are just doing the job just because and just rolling along uh, without really thinking about um, how important it it is. And um, I'm going to totally mess this up. I don't even know why I'm bringing it up. (laughs) Because you're speaking, because we can talk about anything and I love it. (laughs) It's like, this is not my, uh, politics is not my forte, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's okay. You're more than welcome to do whatever you want. It's free. (laughs) Well, it's just, I I always hate to bring up something and not be able to cite it specifically so people can go look it up, right? Okay. Um, But there was, I saw a video of a general who was, um, they were talking about critical race theory. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about, I think it was a Republican, I want to say Matt, somebody, maybe his last name is Matt. I don't know. He's a jerk. Yeah, Matt, you're a jerk. Um, <laughs> Whatever your and, name is, you're a jerk, sir. And I sign off on that message. <laughs> <laughs> but he was talking to, uh, it was like a general in uh, the armed forces, I don't remember if it was the army or which, which one it was. But what you would expect, you would expect that this person is going to say, you know, kind of like fall in line and do what has normally been uh, done. I think I know what you're right? talking about. Okay, now I know, I know what you're talking about. Okay, go ahead. Love and this, love this, love this. He basically Air Force. said, was it Air Force? Yeah, it was Air Force. He okay. came down and said something. He was like, no, this is not okay. Right. So I love it. Yeah. Right. And he basically said, we actually need to understand critical race theory. We need to understand our history. Mm-hmm. He said, look, I have read Lenin. I've read, uh, you know, the things from other communists. It doesn't make me a communist, <laughs> right? 100%. But you have, to, you have to learn. Like, there is this pervasive idea that like we, we're working in these bubbles, which is so, um, what's the word? It just, it doesn't serve us. We can't possibly be intelligent human beings on this planet when all we want to do is sit in, in echo chambers and listen to people mm. who want to keep saying the same thing over and over again, who agree with us. Pro- right? Programming, programming. Yeah. yeah. We have to listen to others, even if we don't agree. I mean, even on, on my, I'm like, you know what? I gotta listen to people who, I've had to hear, I don't believe in unconscious bias. And I'm like, it's not the tooth fairy, okay? There's nothing for you to believe in. It's science. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. This is why I love you to death. Oh, my gosh. It's not the tooth fairy, man. Like, it's it's a science. Like, what is wrong? Like, And I'm not a scientist, so I'm not going to argue science. But I'm like, but there there are studies. There are things you can go read. Go educate yourself, right? But don't sit up here and come at me. And tell me that you don't believe in unconscious bias. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so my whole point of this is just that like here is this, this general who basically said, yes, we need to educate ourselves. Mm-hmm. We need to know our history. We need to understand the history of this country in the United States, right? 100%. We need to understand global history. We need to understand, you know, colonialism and how that has affected people throughout the world, right? You've got mm-hmm. people uh, in, in, in Asian countries, they're, they're bleaching their skin, right? Yes. They're, they're doing all kinds of things. Why? Because colonialism, like, thank mm-hmm. you, United Kingdom. Appreciate that. 
wonderful mm-hmm. gift that you gave to the world. 100%. Right? Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Um, yeah, um, the, even I've seen this in South Asian culture, and, and not going to get into that, but we that kind of culture, and I'm not saying anything bad thing, I'm talking about my personal life, but I didn't want to like go all the way in detail because there's some things going on. And I don't really want to like ruffle some feathers. I know <laughs> we speak too loud. You know what I mean? I'll be on Ellen. So, <laughs> but I do know that I do know the culture very well and the culture, if they do still do arranged marriages. Okay. And they will send, it's called a CV, but it's like a resume. It's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my life. But they send a resume and like the pictures of the individual and they'll try to match make, like matchmaker, matchmaker or whatever. So, and if if the female has darker skin, then they're not, it's like frowned upon for some reason because it's the stigmatism of the experience of the older generation saying that that's not okay because it, it, she's not going to fit in or they'll have really dark children. And right. I just thought that was the, it broke my heart to hear that. I was like, well, but, Oh my God. Colorism is real, right? I mean, colorism, yes. it happens everywhere. And this is why I say colonialism because it came from that, right? Yes. Colorism happens in every country, every level. If you look in India, same thing, right? Mm-hmm. You have darker skinned people, not as desirable. In the the black communities, same thing. Darker you are, less desirable you are, right? Like that is just the the way it it has been for centuries. And so, uh, you know, and we perpetuate it. It's not just, oh, it's white people who do this to people of color. No, we do it to ourselves. We do it to each other. But Mm -hmm. because we are socialized um, in this way, right? And this is we are all on this this cycle of socialization we've all been socialized to believe that white is right (laughs) and anything less is not good Mm. and we literally have to teach ourselves uh to get out of that um that that level of of behavior and that 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 ideological um training that we've all received that programming that we've all received through these channels and the programming what would be the first step or advice would you give someone to maybe look at things in a different way? Yeah, we got to start with, um, so you said it, right? And that's because you read my book. I appreciate that is mm-hmm. starting with awareness, right? Mm-hmm. We have to start with awareness. So this whole conversation we've had so far is awareness for some people. This might be like, wait, what? I didn't know that's mm-hmm. called awareness, right? Learning and just understanding that these things are actually happening and are actually a problem. And so in the workplace, how do you find that out? You have to ask people. You've mm-hmm. got to do stakeholder interviews. You've got to do um, town halls. You have to do uh, surveys, anonymous surveys. And that might mean bringing in somebody like myself, it might be somebody else, right? Who's going to come in an outside consultant to get that information because so many companies they don't even have enough trust within their company to be able to do the survey to get the data. So Mm -hmm. you can do the survey all day, but you ask the question and people are going to be like, Oh, we love it here. It's so great. Mm -hmm. And then they want consequences to it. Yeah, that's exactly. (laughs) You got to create the environment and an open environment for them to feel safe, to say what they want to say. I mean, I've, I've been in corporate America before. Obviously I went into entrepreneurship and people would say, yeah, it's anonymous, but it's really not anonymous. Right. And they can pretty much pick up, pick up on where it comes from. So I like that fact that you're bringing in someone that's non-biased and doesn't know the people within the divisions or individuals, I guess you would say. 
and wouldn't be able to pick up on who it is. And you won't share the information by X, X, like um, each one. You're just going right. to show examples. And that's why it's so effective of obviously what you bring to the table. Yeah, it's, it's so necessary because it's not just about being able to pick up on it, but it's also the, some of the questions we ask, we do ask about demographics. If you're a company that has three black people, and we then cut the data by demographics and we say, well, the black people say they hate it here. It's like, well, you know exactly who it is. Oh, look, it's Tom, Dick and Harry, right? <laughs> we know. <laughs> right. So there's, there's things that we have to do to be able to anonymize that data, uh, but still be able to give the feedback. Um, and the other thing is too, that some companies, especially the tech companies, they have, um, there is a, a fear um, and it's a well-founded fear that the executives at the top can reverse engineer the surveys and find out who um, you know, answered in what way. And I've seen evidence of where that has where they've done it. They they have been doing that and they mm -hmm. and people know that, right? So because of that, you can send out as many surveys as you want, but you're not gonna actually get the data that you need mm -hmm. to make the changes that you need to make. So these companies will say, oh, we're doing well because we sent out a survey and everyone loves us. No you sent out a survey and everyone is scared to give you real answers. Mm. What is your framework for some of the questions? I'm just really intrigued now. What is, is it like someone that I guess you would obviously, you know what I do for a living. So me looking at a situation and me looking at a body of work or me looking at a, an experience for an individual and me putting immersing myself into that world. That's one of the things that I do very well and is my gift that I would selfishly enough immerse myself in their world to feel what they feel. And that's it's a skill. You have to hone in on that craft, right? And dial all the way down to be able to do it selfishly enough. And like how to do that is a surrender, like my own needs, wants, desires ever in life, right? So in me understanding that there's a certain amount of framework and touch points there that give them a oscillation wave sends a wave through them to go, oh, okay, I'm jumping ahead of the objection is basically what they call it in sales. So I'm creating that environment and make them feel safe. And then they go, okay, now I can say what I want. You yeah. know how that is. You can literally feel it in a conversation. If you're talking to someone like, oh, they feel at ease. They know that you're a person they can trust. Right. Right. And I think, well, for us, um, because, you know, she said we're external. So if yes. they know we're collecting that data, and we are not giving raw data to the client, the mm -hmm. client company, then the employees can feel comfortable um, sharing and they share and they share and they share. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. And so <laughs> we get- so It was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They, they were so like, no, I'm not gonna share. And then all of a sudden like, blah, 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 just like literally vomit right. of information. You turn on the faucet, right? Because now mm -hmm. they feel free to really, they're like, oh, the company really does wanna do something about this. They've actually invested in bringing in an outside That's consultant, important. right? To come in and do something about this. And we've committed, a lot of times what I try to do is, get the company to agree to not only do the survey, but let's do a town hall, right? Let's mm -hmm. announce to the company that we're doing this survey. Let's explain why we're doing the survey. And then most importantly, let's tell them what we plan to do once we've gotten results from the survey. Yeah. I like the what before why. We hit them with what first and then explaining why you're now going and justifying your, you mentioned emotional intelligence, why I'm even going here with this. Right. When you're, 
explaining through emotion is what is emotion is energy in motion. So that you have to put the energy needs to be the intention behind it needs to be pure. And that's how you can justify it with explaining why. And a lot of people, they start trying to start with a why first, but it's not going to stick all the way with that. What until they go, Oh, okay. Now I have more information. So it's just like if I said, Stacy, I would like for you and me to go to the mall. And if we go to the mall, um, I would like to buy you one of those pretzels, those one of those sugars and the cinnamon on it. Would you like to go? And I'm like, oh, I got to get on a flight. I got to go a little bit to London to go meet you. This thing to go get a pretzel? Like, no. But if I explain to you that you're about to have an outer body experience, you probably had the best day of your life. If you decide to meet me there. And so I'm able to obviously have that experience with you. And it's, I have something, a hidden agenda there, right? So it'll change. I know for sure it's going to change your life. You're about to meet Jay-Z or something. Okay. Right. But if I'm now explaining that as a position was before, but now I have the now you have more information with the interest. Now they're really going to grasp it, right? And the idea, the ideology behind it. And it's really going to make more sense and stick. And that's where I love that you mentioned that this company actually cares they're investing. That's that's important. When you put money behind things, that makes it real. So when they go, oh, I don't really want to want them to know that we're investing for no, you want that's the first thing you need to tell them. Right. Yeah. Like and, and we don't have to do this. We get to. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. So I love it. Literally before, before this uh, session, I, I, I had a, a conversation with um, a new client that we just signed up. And, you know, that was one of the main things I, I said, because we were talking about how are we going to start enrolling people into the workshops that we're going to do into these education sessions. And, um, and I said, the number one thing you have to do is be transparent about how you're going to do it. If you are not transparent, about what is going on in your company, people will make up reasons, right? They will make up their own reasons and it's never good. It's never possible. Why do you think they go that route though? Is it because they there was pre-programming before them and they learned that? Because we're human and that's what we do. If yeah. you are in a, if you're, if you're working for a company and the CEO calls you and says, hey, I'd like to talk to you. Do you immediately go, oh great, I must be getting that raise. No. Or do you say, oh, crap, what did I do? I did something wrong. I messed up. I must have done something. You start going through you're like, shit, I'm, I'm, this is going to be a problem, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't think positive thoughts. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good just, point. Just, that is a good point. We, we always go to the negative. Um, and it's just, it, it's I don't know, it's a human trait that we have. Um, and knowing that is what we have to overcome. So a lot of times, even when somebody says something to you, does something to you, we immediately want to assume they have negative intent. And mm -hmm. that's why we say assume positive intent, because a lot of times people are not going out of their way, right? They're not waking up in the morning to say, I am planning to discriminate against Chris today. I'm planning to hold him back, stop him from getting a raise, right? We like, don't good do luck. That. I own this thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that that's not the intent we normally right. go about. Now it might be the impact, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not the intent. So a lot of times we get we get caught up in the in in the um the impact, right? And we don't think about the intent. If we can get past the intent and realize that okay, it doesn't matter what your intent was, here's the mm -hmm. impact then we can focus in on that and we can fix it. But we get defensive and we go, well, that wasn't my intent. Mm -hmm. ah, okay, fine, that wasn't your intent, but this is what happened. Mm -hmm. Can we get to what happened, right? I don't need your mm -hmm. defensive, I don't need your excuses, I don't need your explanations, I just need you to see that this was actually the impact. 
And determining, depending on the level of impact, an apology can't just happen. You have to show the apology behind the action, in my opinion. I think you have to be authentic in the apology. Okay. Because okay. Right? Yeah, I get a lot of like, oh, just we'll jump in front of this bullshit, right? So we'll jump in front of this with an email and a, and a, I don't know, public statement coming from right. the CEO or coming from the it's not at all like that's some bullshit that someone read or wrote for you. You didn't even write that. Right. So right. If that's, that shows me everything I need to know about the company when I'm looking to invest into something like this. The way that you go about handling problems is completely different in a way that you celebrate your wins. Then we got a problem. Right. So that's so, done I mean, through action. Yeah. Go ahead. Love it. The, the authenticity is the, is mm -hmm. the big piece. So I think, that's actually right. We talked about awareness. Mm -hmm. How do we get then the next stage in, in, in the book is alignment. Like these executives have to be in alignment. They have to, now that you have the data, now that you see what is going on, you have it in black and white in front of you. What are you going to do with it? Right. You mm -hmm. have to be authentic and say, wow, yeah, we have messed up. This does not look good, but we're going to fix it and we're going to do something about it. And here's what we're going to do, right? Come up with a strategy, create a strategy, get everybody aligned. That's where you align the resources and the, the information and the education and everything. Um, because once people see that, then they're going to be willing to actually take the actions that need to be taken to start to fix the problem. But what's been happening is everyone just wanted to jump into some actions without thinking about why they're doing it, who they're doing it for, what impact it's going to have, what the timeline is, how long it's going to take, what resources do we need, <laughs> right? It's normal stuff, but they don't think about that because they're trying to solve the problem pretty quickly or kick it underneath or sweep it underneath the rug is what they say in the South. Right. That it wasn't an issue. You got to accept all responsibility directly or indirectly first, and then you start coming up with that right plan and what you mentioned and getting into alignment. And you I like to do it in in my way. Maybe it's just I'm not going to be out of bounds here. But when I'm working with it's a big problem, I want to ask company wide, like, well, how can we go about fixing this? Any any ideas? If that's how you end up producing leaders. Yes. Yes. Ask employees. That's the other thing. So then the leaders will love to say, oh, well, we're, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do A and then B and then C. Yeah, you might be wrong. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, did you ask anybody else what they thought about this? Do you even know if A is what needs to be fixed? Do you know if that's really the priority? Should you really start there, right? Mm -hmm. Did you bother to get feedback? or Like all the employees, they sit around. They think about this every day. They come they're, into work. They're the one in they, the grind. They're in the grind. Yeah. <laughs> they've got thoughts about mm -hmm. how to fix your company. Ask them. Mm -hmm. Right? Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. And so like, it was like, I'm at, people, when they invest for me to come into a company or me taking on a contract, Stacey, and I'm sure it's the same with you. They're like shocked with the, how simple, the simplistic, the actions that I take with them. They're like, well, that was easy. I'm like, freaking, you didn't pay me or invest into me to come in and come up. You thought I had like this magic wand to get to like 600% growth within. No, it wasn't. It's very simplistic. It's very easy. But it's very difficult at the beginning because I first need to show them it's a real problem. I was actually on a sales call and I'm training a company on aligning them within the organization, obviously, corporation I built. And I'm aligning them because they're still obviously an official partner. They wanted me to teach sales. Well, first thing I need to do is I need to show you that sales isn't bad. 
You don't even, that's the number one problem issue I see with sales that no one knows what it is. <laughs> they don't even know what it is. I was like, what? So I kept asking questions and questions. That, the whole, I'll actually send it to you. You'll, you'll enjoy it and see, you'll see me in a different way, like a way that I'm driving the conversation. I'm like, yeah. I just keep asking questions and they're just exposing what they don't know. Right. And they're looking right. around going, why is he saying? I'm like, oh, you thought I was going to get on here and train you sales, huh? No, that's not the problem. Right. right? So I love that with the fact that you're asking, you're forcing them to ask those questions. But what if you have a leader that's very egotistical? Mm. What do you mean I got to ask them? What am I asking? How do you go about handling that? If you're like the person working with the middle one, do you go to the CEO? I mean, do you try to handle it within your, your staff? I mean, how do you go about handling that? We do, I mean, it's why we, we do coaching with the executives. Yeah. Okay. We do it one-on-one -on -one because um, because of, of ego, right? Executive mm -hmm. leaders don't want to say, I don't know. They don't want to admit that they don't know what's going on. They don't mm -hmm. want to admit that they don't know how to have these conversations. Um, so we have to have them one-on-one -on -one and really get to be able to have these sort of private conversations and say, okay, I get it. You don't know we're going to fix that right now, right? Like let's mm -hmm. work on it and give them the tools so that they can gotcha. leave and go out and make those changes. Um, but in a group setting, they're, they're not going to say, they're not going to admit. And even it, 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 like one-on-one -on -one with me, um, and usually it's two of us, two consultants, because it just helps to bounce ideas off each other. Um, I agree. Will, um, I would agree. Yeah, it, it, it helps a lot. Um, we've, we've had some some tough cookies. I mean, I have one guy I know. <laughs> we sat for an hour. We went back and forth and back and forth. And I got off the call afterwards. And I was like, this man was bullshitting me the whole hour. <laughs> oh, yeah, I pick, yeah you, you, gotta, you have to be able to strengthen that. You know, your emotional intelligence, muscle, emotional intelligence, you just can't just develop. You just got to do it through time. You know when someone's giving you bullshit. I'm like, man, come on, bro. Do you act, this actually shit, this work for you normally. Right. It usually yeah. does work for them. But, you know, mm, and yeah. so we just keep we just keep going and keep hitting and keep hitting. And they're like, <laughs> why do you keep bringing this up? I'm like, because you still haven't answered my question. Mm -hmm. I know you think you did and you thought you could change the subject and you could, you know, d d delay and, 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 uh, project and, you know, do all these other things you normally do, but I'm still waiting <laughs> for an yeah. answer. I'm not letting you off the hook. Yeah. I'm not letting you off the hook. Sometimes you have to come out and just say it like, listen, I can keep going down this like path with you in this habitual like cycle and you just keep reframing the conversation and reframing the question and asking it a different way. But I'm getting actually just to save us time. <laughs> right. This is what I'm yeah. looking for. Cut the crap. Like I'm, I think they also with people like us that do have an extreme amount of emotional intelligence, we kind of give off the, we show up the way that we are. Right. So they kind of can, they know that they can't get away with it. They're like, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not going to get away with it. They kind of pick it up pretty quickly. Then it's yeah. kind of funny. The ones that don't pick it up, you're like, what the hell is wrong with you, man? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. I just tell them, I go, look, I get it. You, you aren't ready for this part of the conversation yet. That's okay. We'll come back to it. Let's move on. <laughs> How did you develop your emotional intelligence? Is it just through experience and you being around? Just a bunch of different, obviously a very, that's obviously the name of the book, right? Diversity, right? So when you're just being around a lot of different types of cultures and people and stuff like that, is that how you came about doing it or were you just conscious I of? So. 
I, yeah. I think it's a, it's a lot of that. It's it's helped shape, um, you know, and I can really pick up on um, on, on people. And I'm just, I'm really good at being able to have the conversations with people Yeah. Um, from, you know, regardless of title, regardless of age, regardless of whatever, um, you know, I can have those conversations and I can ask the tough questions and um, I have no problem yeah. saying to a CEO, like, it must be really tough to work for you. Because <laughs> oh, that's one of my favorites. That's one of my favorite lean-ins. <laughs> ever it's got to be a nightmare you know like some depending on the person and situation i'm like listen i'm not gonna go tell your company this and your employees but you're an idiot pretty much like i will frame it in a certain way i'm like yeah. listen man like you got a bigger problem than you actually realize and the problem starts with you and i, I know it might be hard to see and hard to hear but i really want you to just be open to change first yeah. And why I have different results than you're used to seeing it's because I have an unconventional approach is that it hasn't been seen before in a marketplace this way because I come from the world of education. And so when, they, when people hire me to do say they want teach them sales and it, it's not what they're normally hearing. They're like, what is this going on? I'm like, cause you're an idiot. Like, it's not my fault. Like it's not your fault either. It's just what was told to you. Right. That works. Right. And taking and that, that conversation is, differently. Yeah, go ahead. Love it. No, you're, you're right. It's, some of it is that, you know, I won't say necessarily the CEO level, but I guess sometimes at the CEO level, but mm -hmm. for, I mean, especially mm -hmm. managers, right? They're not trained. They're not provided professional development. Um, and so you take somebody, so if you use sales as an example, you take a great sales leader and go, oh, he's doing so well. Let's make him a manager. Why? He's doing well in sales. Leave him there, right? right. Like that's the that's the role that they're doing. Um, so you take somebody who's really good as an individual contributor and you turn them into a manager. Do they know how to manage other people? Do they know how to direct the activities of others? Do they know how to give feedback? Right? No, because they're trying to keep them and hold on to them because they're very talented. How can we keep Chris happy? Or how can we keep Stacy happy in his role? Or oh, let's give him a leadership position. And they end up being a manager because they're not, they're not a leader. They might be killing it in sales or killing it in whatever they do, but they don't have those qualities yet. You need to give it to them as early as possible and exposing them to it and let them step into that role themselves if they choose to do so. Right. If they choose to do so. Yeah. There's a, a saying, it's like, uh, what is it? What, what if we uh, develop our people and they leave? And it's like, what if we don't and they stay? Best thing ever. And that's really what people are doing is they mm -hmm. don't develop the people. So a lot of the work that we do with diversity, equity, inclusion is some of it is we end up having to go back to foundational leadership. One of the consultants on our team, you know, that's her her forte is leadership development um, and executive um, development. And sometimes we have to do that because we'll go into a company and it's like, well, we want to talk about anti-racism. We want to talk about this and that. Y'all ain't ready. Right? <laughs> you don't have right. the, found, the, the foundation and you want to build a second story, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. The whole thing's going to crumble. Um, and that's what a lot of companies are doing right now is they're building these, these towers, these, these huge skyscrapers yeah. on top right. of a shaky foundation. And I'm just like, we need to go back to foundational mm -hmm. leadership abilities. Uh, and so that is what we end up doing in some cases is taking it back. Um, 
And like I, I said, that. with the, you know, that's why we, we do a lot of education. So as I mentioned, we've got the uh, the online training on LinkedIn learning on unconscious bias. Um, and I think people like that course because one, it is short. Um, and we are in this like, we're in this like t TLDR, uh, you know, lifestyle <laughs> where mm -hmm. nobody has time anymore. So um, it, the people like that it's short. And I think it's also that people go into it with an expectation that they're going to hate it <laughs> because they've That's been a really told. good point. I didn't even look, you know, I didn't even look at that that way because yeah. I maybe just by that I would be open to it because I really enjoyed the book. So I was like, oh, well, I'll be open to it because I love learning new things. And maybe I'm not, maybe you might mention something in this book or might mention something in this course that I wasn't looking at before. I don't know. I'm just a natural wanting to learn type of cat. Right. But, but I realize that not yeah. a lot of people like to learn. Right. There's a lot of people that are very comfortable in status quo, in stasis, staying mm -hmm. right where they are. They don't want to learn. They don't want to change. They just want to get up every day, go do their job, come back home, play with their kids, go have a beer, go on vacation, right? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's yeah, it. It's not and I'm not cool saying for me. that in, in, a, in a derogatory way, right? But I am saying that that, again, we're conditioned to a certain extent that that's all we should aspire to. We should be happy with that. And so when somebody comes along and says, no, that's not enough, you need to learn more, you need to change, you need to do more, you're going to resist that because it's like, wait, that's not what we've been told, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to get in trouble. <laughs> right. There's a resistance mm -hmm. to, to learning, which is crazy. But if you really think about a lot of the things that are going on in this country, there, it's a resistance to being educated because knowledge is power, right? Mm -hmm. When people know what is actually going on, a lot of the things that happen we get snowed about wouldn't happen because we're educated. And so there is people in power have major resistance to education because they don't want you to know mm -hmm. what's actually happening. And so right. we are socialized not to inquire, not to ask too much, not to talk too much, not to learn more or get or step outside of our box, right? Well, that causes fear. I was just talking about this the other day. I was in a meeting yesterday and I, I did a thing I did a um a team's asking me to do a lot of those, not the lives, but you know, talking into the story thing. It's just not my thing but they're forcing me to do it. So, um, and I was just having a conversation. There's why is the most offensive question you could never ask anyone. It it's very offensive, especially if they in, in their mind somewhere, they feel that they're doing wrong. Okay. Then if you really want to apply a lot of fear is forcing someone directly or indirectly to change. Right. That's laced with fear and people don't understand how important it is not to force them to see it, but I like to create the scenario in an outer body type of experience, more of an analogy for them to see it through a different lens. And they go, yeah. oh, it just makes sense. And I think that's what their course does for people. Right. It, it really does. I mean, I get, <laughs> I get a lot of comments from people who say, wow, I was not expecting this course to actually be really good. And I liked it. I wasn't <laughs> expecting- In those like, words. <laughs> Like literally, I mean, I get the most backhanded compliments you ever. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't. Yeah, this is this is it, man. I told I, you said it right before we hit record on this thing. Like, oh, you don't really know me. Like, we talk. For, like, I could do this all day with you. <laughs> but that's you know, uh, but it's it's because the, if you look at what else is out there, though, 
there mm. are things where you know they're getting the, the finger wag and they're getting told that you know you're an awful person and you're a racist and 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 even in, in what i do i'll have people say how dare you call me a racist and i'm like i'm sorry when did i do that i don't recall it's something i said you took it there you took about, it there <laughs> right i'm like if something i said about racism get you in that way you need to go back and inquire as to why because at no point have i ever called anybody a racist <laughs> i mean right. unless this yeah, unless but, yeah, but usually you're smart. <laughs> enough, you're smart enough to be able to get them to see it in your, you know what I mean, <laughs> themselves. Right. I mean, you wouldn't have gotten in this position to be honest with you if you would. I guess you would say intentionally try to call someone a name or make them feel a certain way. They're going. I think we're intelligent enough to let them do it for themselves. Right. Exactly. In certain situations. And, and, and I'll be honest. Most people are not racists, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, it's. We, uh, as I said, we're socialized to this uh, this ecosystem that we're in, and the ecosystem that we're in is built on systemic racism. Yes. So everything that we do is built on that. So the education that we're doing now is understanding where that shows up, how it affects our behavior, and the fact that we can actually change our behavior so that we don't have to continue to perpetuate the cycle. Mm. So that's literally what we do is like, you have the option, you know, it's kind of like the matrix. You could take the blue pill or the red pill. Right? Don't take both. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not going to force you to take the one that's going to help you, uh, you know, get out of this, this cycle. Um, but I'm just going to introduce the concept to you and bring awareness and knowledge and education to you. And if you want to sit with that and still continue along this other path, I cannot stop you. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, control. Like we're not trying to control the situation. We're just going to change the narrative for you. And that's all we can do is like, so it's kind of like walking up to a TV station, right? Well, TV and turning a channel and they're used to watching a certain show at a certain time. That's conditioning. Now, obviously sets people in a path where they're starting to form a habit and that habit can turn into a dysfunctional routine. If it's obviously with negative intent, but if you're turning a station like, well, I didn't know. I don't like this. Why, why is it? Why is it not this show? This show is what this time they pro I, I come here to watch this show at this time. It's normally happens every day. And then next thing you know, you turn it and they're like, well, well this is actually pretty funny. I like this show. Right. <laughs> that's kind of what it, what you do for him and just kind of like and the whole time you're walking off like idiots <laughs> you ever have i have those moments i can be real with you right so i'll have moments and it, it might be the ones that have the most money i'm like god like how did you get here like you know like who helped you i have to say this though the people that i've worked with so far i haven't had to have that kind of good thought for you because what i'm well because people self-select right they know what i do that's good so point. I'm not going to get the real resistors. Right? Yeah, they're not that's a good point. Unless it's to tell me how stupid I am and, you know, <laughs> and how much they hate me. But otherwise, they're not going to give me money, right, to help. That's a good point. That's so, damn sure they won't do. They won't give, they'll give you the money last if that, yeah. What is your most uncomfortable situation when it came to making that type of shift in what you do now? What was the most uncomfortable like type of shift? And, and you don't have to get too personal, but I'm just morally curious well that's a tough conversation that's a tough thing for me to think about because i think for me i have a, a larger 
um, comfort, like discomfort level. Okay. Um, I like that. I can step into a lot of things. And so there are lots of conversations I've had where afterwards I was like, oh, that was great. And someone was like, oh my God, how did you do that? That was so uncomfortable. And I'm like, really? You were uncomfortable, huh? I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, that was like, I was having tea. <laughs> right. So it, it's like, I mean, it, I guess if I were, what is it they, they say? If you're the devil and you can, uh, the, the, bathwater in hell or something. I don't no, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the same. Well, to be honest with you, they say the greatest men or the greatest women in the world are the most dangerous. <laughs> they choose every single day to choose good over obviously evil. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I'm not, I was listening to um, Jordan Peterson is the only person on my bucket list to interview. Only person. Mm -hmm. And there's some great you people out there. Well, no, what no, I'm saying, and like that, like those the philosophers, you know, like type of stuff. <laughs> of course, uh, in Stacy Gordon, um, like editing team, say Stacy Gordon first, and then. Uh, <laughs> but just because he's so uncut and raw with some of his answers, and you know how it is. I mean, you meet you meet some crazy people, like great, like, like obviously uber successful people. And they, and depending on if they're public or companies public, they can't really be themselves. But when he goes on shows, he has his own show. When they ask him a question, you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. Never. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Never know. It's like everyone's holding their breath. <laughs> like, oh, here we go. Like, so we can take it any way you want to take it. And I love that what the fact that you said, like, oh, well, you were uncomfortable. Why? And then that's a real good coaching moment if you have two consultants there. But. Like what part of that conversation made you uncomfortable? Let's talk about right. this for a second. Yeah, definitely. And and I think too, um, I think where I have actually been, if I would be candid, uncomfortable, because um, discomfort comes in when you don't know. So if I'm stepping into mm. something that I don't know, that it will, it will make me a little uncomfortable. Um, and I actually had a conversation recently um, with a, an individual. Uh, we were talking about pronouns. So um, I, uh, Shane, we actually did a LinkedIn live. So if you're interested in learning more about pronoun usage, uh, you can check my LinkedIn. We did a LinkedIn live uh, and, you know, they keep the videos up there. So it's great. And what was good about it was um, before we did the live, we had to have a conversation because I said, Shane, I need help. I am struggling with pronoun usage because um, Here's pronouns are Z here, here's. And mm -hmm. I was like, this is, this is hard for me. I, uh, and so I'm working on it. Um, and it's, it's, I'm still <laughs> working on it. I saw and it on Instagram that in, um, it's funny that you say this. I'd send a message to, um, I have a manager now and we've brokering a deal and I can't really disclose right now. I'm not sure when this one's going live. So we're broken a deal with the reality show with her show and TV stuff coming up. It's just so blessed that I get to have these amazing conversations and it just blows me away. Amount, the amount of reach is happening in my life. It's crazy. It's humbling. And then it's also scary. Um, yeah. um, Cause it's like, Whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> that isn't supposed to happen. So I have a manager and we're obviously, and then he mentioned something about, well, like what, the pronouns thing on Instagram, you could put your in your pronouns, I guess. And I was like, I'm staying away far left or far right from that one or far to whatever, just because you don't want to get, it's, it's just difficult. I don't want to be labeled or, you know what I mean? It's Well, I think, so th this is the thing. Like when I joined mm -hmm. our stream today, my pronouns were up. They're not here, right? 
Um, and so part of, we talk about values. Okay. One of our values now is we, we really are, I used to really call it a value. It's more just one a part of our process is we want to make sure that we always have our pronouns um, up because it invites others to be able to do the same. We okay. also want to- I, I can see that. To, yeah. And we also want to be able to, um, I realize even in my own company, right? So my assistant, um, their pronouns are they, them. And I did not know that until recently, um, until we started putting our pronouns up and I put up she, hers, and they put up they, theirs. And, um, and even somebody else on my team mentioned it and said, oh, did you see that they have different pronouns? And I said, yes, I did not know. We didn't have to have a conversation about it, right? We didn't have to make it awkward. It's just like, now I know. So now that's a way for me to be informed and for me to appropriately speak to them and refer to them without us having to have the awkward conversation of, oh, what are your pronouns? Are your pronouns different? Why are your pronouns different? What are your pronouns? We don't have to do that, right? Mm, Just from okay. the simple act Thank you for that. Of, of being able to, to put it up and, and show what they are. So, um, and it's also when we think through, um, you know, talking about pronouns, if as a woman, if I'm watching a, uh, let's say a training video, I do trainings all the time. If every example that I used in every case study said he, and I'm like, and then he says, and then he does, and then he, 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 right? Everyone's going to notice that. that. Yeah. You're going to go, whoa, what's up with that? That's really misogynistic, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing though. If we don't ever use other pronouns and we only ever use he or she, or we go into a room and we always say, ladies and gentlemen, right? Or we are speaking and we say he or she, odds are you are discounting a large group of people in that audience who have who have not identified themselves to you because they don't have the opportunity to do so. But it's like what we said about um, companies that are doing uh, surveys, right? You're only getting mm. a little bit of the information. You're not getting all the data. So oh. I'm not, you know, allowing yourself to participate in this. You're not getting all the data. You know, it's funny. When Justin Breen, shout out to Justin Breen, by the way, love that guy. Love him to death. He's like one of my favorite people of all time. Like seriously. One of my favorite things to do when he introduces me to someone. And of course, Maybe, I don't know if he thought of this, but I, I think he did because he's that intelligent. I look for when in his mind did he go, I need to get Stacy with Chris. And of course, the obvious reasons. And I just picked up on what it was now. What it was, I'm very conscious of when I'm speaking or doing a training, that I'm hitting every part of that room. And I'm not trying to close off one section of a room by the words that I use. I'm very deliberate, very intentional. Like, especially speaking, in, I don't know, maybe I'm gonna drive this to a question with you. But when I'm speaking in a room, I'm trying to push buttons and I'm trying to be very conscious of the buttons I'm hitting and the reactions I'm getting from people. How conscious are, are you of that? I'm pretty sure you are. When was that shift and when you started to be a little bit more conscious of being intentional and deliberate with some of the words that you're using to not shut off an audience? Oh, always. And okay. this gotcha. is the thing, I get it wrong all the time, right? Because I'm always going to piss off somebody, right? And I completely own that. 
And I might even say it sometimes in the beginning. I go, look, I'm probably going to say something that's going to make somebody I do too. upset. That's my so, opening. <laughs> <laughs> things like, uh, and things you wouldn't think of, right? So for example, when you say, oh, that's crazy. Well, guess what? That's ableist language. We shouldn't be saying that anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't be saying, that's crazy. That's insane. You should say what it actually is. Well, that was frustrating or that was difficult Good for you. or that was a lot of information that came at me, right? <laughs> mm. We have to do that. Um, we have to be thinking about, like I said, our pronoun usage. Um, we have to be thinking about, you know, there's things I talk about when I talk about male, female, and, um, and I talk about demographics and who's typically male, typically female. Well, again, I do say typically, right? We're talking about visible traits, but again, we have gender fluidity um, and for trans people, um, and for people who are gender fluid, there is no typical male or typical female, right? Mm -hmm. And continuing to perpetuate that language continues to perpetuate the stereotype of what a woman should look like or what a man should look like. Mm -hmm. um, so these are all things that we're all learning. And I think that we have to get on the journey to learning and understanding that we're going to you know, get it wrong along the way. And when we do, we apologize okay. authentically and we move on, right? And we try to do better. But what we can't do and what we can't tolerate is saying, well, that's too difficult. I don't want to do it. Or I'm old school, so whatever. I'll just, like, you know what I mean, right? We can't do that. <laughs> that you know what I mean, I hear the most. You know what right. I mean? You know what I mean? You know, you know what I mean? I've, I've even right. hear it with like, I, I watch a lot of stand up comedy. David Chappelle was talking about it saying, um, cancel culture. He was referring to, um, and he mentioned some other things that I'm not going to go all the way down his rabbit hole. But when you, he's saying certain things because he's, he can say certain things because he can speak on because he obviously is a person of color. Let's be real. Okay. Right. And other people can't say certain things because they obviously don't have that shade of color and obviously different experiences. And that makes it really difficult for a public figure right now. It, you, it's almost impossible to be speak your mind. No, I don't think so. Because okay, here, gotcha. Here's what I tell I like people, uh, you know, <laughs> that you can, you can speak your mind. And if your mind is evil, let us know. Okay, that, that's perfect. I love that. Thank right? you so much. Like, I want to hear it. If you've love got it. stuff to say, go ahead and say it, right? Don't please don't censor yourself because you think you might offend somebody. Love if that's it. what you really believe, we want to know that we really believe. Because you know what? If cancel culture is real, you need to also mm -hmm. feel the consequences of what is happening to you, right? And I think we have to also understand people want to say, well, I don't want to have to be politically correct and well, you can't say anything anymore and nobody can take a joke. You know what? If your mother does not like you cursing and you curse like a sailor, Guess what? When you go home to see your mother, do you curse? No. Somehow you find a way to curb your speech and respect your mother, right? So mm. what is actually happening is it's a lack of respect. You can't be bothered to change your language to respect the person that you're talking to. You do it when you talk to your mother. You do it when you talk to your pastor. You do it when you talk to your grandparents, right? You do it when you talk to your boss. You respect those people. And so you take into account how they would like to be treated and you change your behavior and your tone and your language to suit that person because you respect them. If you that. don't do it, it's because you don't respect that person. Mm -hmm.
Plain I, and simple. I can hear my mother saying that to me. It's lack of respect. Everything comes from a lack of respect. If you don't respect yourself, you need to respect me. I can hear her in the back of slap the back of the head. You know what I mean? <laughs> She don't play it. Uh -uh. Like she actually heard me on a podcast one time, and it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned this, and I know we got to go here. I'm gonna be conscious of time. Um, thank you so much for, by the way, of all the information and this. Even in, I, I want to cherish this conversation for a long time. Um, you know, I might even put you in a thing and said, "Okay, this is my best one. <laughs> this is the one I wanted to interview. I got it. It's my bucket list." Um, <laughs> but I, she actually heard me in an interview, and this we have an uncut version of not this show, but the, another show that I'm hosting. And the uncut version, of course, she gets in the course members of a community get access to that uncut version. And I'm a little bit more free speaking. Yeah. And I would say a couple bad words or whatnot. I raised you better. You should have heard the conversation. I'm 40 years old, Miss Daisy. Mm -mm. She called me straight up and was like, I've raised you better than that. And I was like, Ooh. Right? Mama I, mama I was like, Ooh. I was like, <laughs> I was like, and she goes, you ain't too old for me to, I don't care how much money you have or what you do for a living. You know, you ain't too old for me to come over there and cut you behind. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Right. Yes, ma'am. So and I think that of course you, I mean, you have that conscious, right? They mean call it Jimmy cricket back in the day. Like, well, if that dude is bad. Then we got a problem, but I would much rather you speak your mind. So I know who you are. Right. And I love that you said that. Thank you for that. That meant a lot. Yeah. Um, there's, of course, I want to put a lot of things in the show notes. My staff does a phenomenal job of doing things like this. Anything else you want to bring up of what you have going on currently? Of course, you know, things people say towards the end of the show. It's like, where do I find you? We're gonna, you don't need to say all that. They're going to drive them. Okay. My team does very well. Like, what do you have coming up that where we should be a little bit more aware of now that we know more about you and your story? Yeah, you know, what we've got coming up is, um, is just more, more education. Uh, mm -hmm. We are working on a whole community of resources and education um, that is going to help leaders because we want to scale. We want to be able to impact more people. Mm -hmm. And I think what you said about why it is, is so interesting because it's one of the courses that we are in uh, developing right now and are almost ready to roll out, which is the why of DEI. We talk about why you need to do this. And it's the reason that we do it as a self-guided um, course online versus something that we do in person because mm -hmm. it is personal to people and it you is. don't want to put people on the spot and you need to be able to sit with this and really think about it. And it's not something you can just snap your fingers and come up with an answer. So um, that is something that we're really excited about because I think a lot of leaders need to go through this and need to understand what their stance is on diversity, equity, and inclusion mm -hmm. so that they can be better leaders uh, to their, to their companies. Wow. Amazing. Uh, and well said. And guys, make sure you go and gals, make sure that you go out and check out her um, on LinkedIn and whatnot. We'll drive you to it and we'll put a little like the links there. And so that way it makes it easier for people. You know how you have to make it really easy for people to find them? <laughs> like what? I, I saw I teach companies like you got to make it almost idiot proof. Okay. One click, go ever, bam, over, right. right? Stop making it so complex for people to know you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, goodness gracious. Anyways, but thank you so much for coming on. And I look forward to future conversations. And please let me know how I can continue to keep supporting you in any way whatsoever. Um, I look at every person that comes onto the show and it's important for me to mention. And I know I mentioned it to every single one. And I, it's kind of like people towards the end of the show, like, oh, he says it to everybody. I say it to everybody because it's true. 
I look at every person that comes onto the show as a lifelong friend and connection. So there's anybody that I've ever interviewed, you want me to introduce you to whatever that might be. I'm, I'm open. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I will. I'll take a look. I may okay. take you up on that. All right. Perfect. Sounds great. All right, guys, be well, be you, be great. Much love. Take care. See you at the top. Peace out. This is brought to you by Winject Studios. We are an all-in-one educational platform for podcasters that revolutionizes how hosts leverage content to increase engagement with listeners, downloads, and income. We come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact. For more information on how you can interact directly with our hosts, access exclusive live content with offers you can't get anywhere else from our official partners, join our purpose-driven community by visiting www.winject.com. If you're ready to build a career doing what you love, then we're ready to see you there.